We're going to talk tonight about being led of the Lord. So uh, this is a series that I've been doing. Uh, There's some other things that Pastor Ralph and Pastor James have been sharing. But since the new year, I've been working through this this theme and, and this series of messages looking at being led of the Lord and how important that is for any believer in any season of time. But how much more in these days that we're living in where there just seems to be so much confusion, uh, there seems to be uh, so much disagreement that's out there. Uh, the, the Lord's not the author of confusion, and he doesn't want his people confused or deceived or alarmed. He wants us to hear his voice, to know his will, and there may be uh, landmines, and there may be uh, things all around us, but it's God's desire for us to navigate those uh, in his victory and for us to walk out the good purposes and the good plans that he has for our lives. And, and so we're looking at some things that maybe on one hand we could say are very foundational, uh, very basic, very practical, but yet on the flip side, when we look at them from the perspective of, uh, am I currently walking these things out? Are, there, are they currently being lived out in my life? That's really the big question. And so uh, in, in our first week, we talked about just building a foundation of trust and recognizing that our lives are meant to be uh, lived in a way where we're leaning on him, not leaning on our own understanding, acknowledging him in all of our ways because he wants to direct our paths. And of course, that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? But that's what we looked at, that we want to build this foundation that we, that we trust, that he's working, that he's desiring to work, that that's his plan uh, for believers. And then we looked at the main ways that God leads. And uh, we, we said that, that the predominantly, or the, 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 the major ways, the two major ways he's going to lead us through his word. And uh, we talked about the word being our map, you know, for navigating through life and then through his Holy Spirit. And uh, we talked about last week, or, or I guess last time, I guess it was last week, uh, God's um, GPS, God's guidance system is uh, being led by the voice of the Lord. So ultimately, we want the voice of the Lord to be the greatest influence upon our lives. Right When we think about all of the things that, that make way into our minds, our thoughts, all the things that try to exert influence on our lives, we want it to be the voice of God that has the greatest influence, leading, directing, and guiding us. So uh, what we're going to talk about here tonight, again, a very practically minded message. Uh, whose voice am I hearing? Is it me? Is it God? Or is it the devil? Right? And, and uh, you, you know, that, and, and, and again, on one side of the coin, we could say, well, maybe that, that's just very practical. You know, isn't that kind of easy to distinguish? How many would agree? Sometimes not so much so. Right? You know, oh, well, Scripture was quoted. Well, wait, hold on a second. The enemy quoted Scripture to Jesus. The enemy knows the words. The enemy knows the word more than many Christians. Right? But he twists it and, and he uses it out of context. Right? So in, in the temptation of Jesus three different times, you know, there, there's quoting of scripture, you know. Didn't God say? Didn't God say? Didn't God say? And uh, Jesus responded back with, hey, you're, you're warping it. Here's the truth. You're warping it. Here's the truth. Right? You know, so uh, when, when we have a thought, when we, you know, are working through something, where is that coming from? Is that just me? Is that the enemy? Is that God? So let, let, let's start with what are some of 
the characteristics of our own voice? What's the characteristics of my voice? So I'm, I'm talking humanly speaking. We are born again. We're new creatures in Christ Jesus. You know, we've been fearfully, wonderfully made. Uh, I, 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 that's, that's our context. But we have a flesh nature that we have to deal with. As a matter of fact, we are to take up our cross daily. What's the taking up of, that, of the cross daily? It's to, it's to pin to the cross that flesh nature. You know, that, that's, that's very selfish. So some of the things that are going to come out of my voice is it promotes me big time. When I realize it's about me being promoted, then I, I have to lean into, hey, there's a good chance this is my voice that's talking. And, and again, this could... This could need some filtering if it's put in a Christian context. But it's ministry. But I'm serving the Lord. But it's, it's with my church, you know. It could be packaged in such a wonderful context. But if at the end of the day, it's all about me and the voice is looking to promote me, I have to go back and say, all right, fine. But what does God say about the subject? You know, because I, I, I need to recognize, amen, I, I haven't heard from God here. This is, this is my, my ego. The word talks about vain imaginations. You know, and there are times where, you know, I'm thinking through something and I'm looking through the lens and, you know, hey, I'll, I'll just be real transparent. Times where I'm thinking God dreams, God-sized things where God is lifted up and I'm realizing, wait a minute, there's some vain imagination that, that I'm lifting up here. This is a little too much about me and not enough about the Lord. Come on, can you say amen? Can we talk? Can we keep it real? Amen. Right? So as we're looking and working it through, uh, you, you know, if it promotes me big time. Hey, when we're looking at uh, a lot of times looking in, in marriage, in our families, in our household, you know, if we're saying something like, well, I should be first. You know, hey, did you see what I did? You know, right? That, that's kind of, you know, self-promotion kind of a thing. Or, hey, it's my turn. I'm taking my turn. You know, uh, again, th there might be balancing statements here. There might be some justice needing to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm not talking about being a doormat or being taken advantage of. I'm not talking about that context. I'm talking about when we look at, hey, where is this coming from? If it has to do with me first, you, you know, I call it toddler theology, you know? If it's mine, it's mine. If it's yours, it's mine. If you had it and I took it from you, it's mine. If I broke it, it's yours, right? You know, and, and we can see it cut and dry in a, in a toddler. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we'll look and we'll say, hey, this is, this is me voice. This is selfish voice that's talking. So let's, let's take a look. First John um, 2 and 16. And, and, and here's the next way that we can distinguish. Uh, it wants what's best for me, myself, and I. So when we look at, you know, what's my decision? What's the rationale? Where is this coming from? If it wants, if it's not just promoting me, but it wants what's best for me, then chances are I, are, I, gotta, I gotta do some more seeking to see where God isn't in the process. And in John 2, 16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. In, in other translations, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
You know, these are kind of like the three broad categories of sin. It's interesting. It's the three broad categories where we see the fall happen in the garden. And it's the three broad categories where the enemy comes and brings temptation to Jesus, you know, and he responds, you know, victoriously in each place. And here in 1 John, we see it laid out, again, in the New Living here, just sometimes uh, the, the modern wording helps certain things pop that we haven't heard before. So a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. So when we're looking at where's this voice coming from, you know, now, now if it's a blessing for me, does God not want us to have blessings? Well, of course he does. You know, if I wind up being blessed in the process, does God have a problem with that? Of course not. He's a good, good father. You know, but we're talking about the context of, hey, if it's all about me and if it centers on uh, me being, you know, lifted up in the process here, you know, if I'm promoted and it's what's best for me, I got to go a little further to find out what's God's will in the matter. So, um, hey, like here's a thought, right? Oh, well, it's, it's the highest paying job with the best benefits. Okay, that's great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's, that, that's what God has called us to. I heard one of my mentors say one time, why is it that everybody that I know that when God has called them onto a, a, another ministry setting, it's always higher, higher perks and higher salary? You know, as opposed to, hey, it's a step back um, in the natural, but it's a fit for what God wants to do. Right? You, you know, so, so does God want to bless us? Yes. Does he want to meet our needs? Yes. Has he made us the head and not the tail? Yes. But what we're looking at here is, man, I, I want to distinguish, di- distinguish between am I entirely focused on what's in it for me or have I let the voice of the Lord talk? Amen? Amen. So uh, uh, similarly here, my voice is always going to look out for my best interest. Um, my voice is always going to blame the other person. You know, a lot of times when it comes to marriage counseling in conversation, there's really three stories. There's his story, there's her story, and then there's what's really going on, right? You know, and a lot of times when we're stuck in my voice, you know, it's let me tell you what they did wrong and what I did right and why it's all their fault, you know, so a lot of times that, that, that's another indicator. My voice will validate my actions and responses as opposed to really stop and say, wait a minute, there's no justification for doing the wrong thing before God, right? There's no justification. There's no way for me to excuse. I got to call it what it is. I have to be humble about it. And my voice will protect me. You know, it'll start with protect me first. Um, hey, and another thing about my voice, it pouts when it doesn't get its way, right? Uh, sometimes we will mistake warm fuzzy for God's will. Amen. So it looks good, it sounds good, it feels good, but just becomes, because something feels good doesn't mean that we have God's voice and direction on the subject, Amen? I hope I'm not bringing confusion here. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm helping us sharpen our discerner as we navigate very, very challenging times all around us. Yeah, but an entire denomination is doing this. Can a whole church denomination be wrong? Hey, if they moved off of the word of God, yes. 
Can an entire denomination, I mean, what, what motivates a denomination to say, you know what, there's too much blood in the gospel. It's not very appealing and attractive to the masses, so let's move away from the blood. I, 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 I got the willies just even saying that. What, what motivates, well, me. I, I, we want to be successful at so bad as a church, as a denomination, that it will be at the cost of the very bedrock and foundation of the gospel, Right? I mean, you take out the blood, we don't have a gospel, right? You know, so, so that's what I'm saying. You, you know, when we see all this stuff that's out there, there's a lot that would endeavor to confuse, but when we know the word and we listen to the voice of the Lord and we can discern these different voices, there's a whole lot less confusion. There's a whole lot less gray. There's a whole lot more black and white when it comes to right and wrong. Amen? So, uh, again, uh, how do we identify warm fuzzy, remove ourselves from the picture, and do we st still feel as passionate about it? You know, sometimes taking a step removed out of it can help us. All right, is this God or is this me just saying, hey, this, this feels really good? All right, so, so those are just some characteristics, some things to get us thinking, sharpening, evaluating before God on, hey, how can I get some, some red flags, some signals on my voice? I was having a conversation today. I just read an article that, that, um, uh, to Christian leaders that was talking about there is so much self-promotion and pride in church leadership today. And how much we have to have caution and be on guard and recognize that doesn't resemble Christ you know, humility is Christ. Brokenness resembles Christ. Taking up our cross resembles Christ. Servant leadership, that resembles Christ. Not, you know, flashy and, and what is of self-promotion. So that's why I say, you know, the devil comes disguised as an angel of light. So just because something is packaged in church or religiosity doesn't mean that it can't be drenched in me voice. Amen? Sobering, right? All right, let's look at the, the next one here. What are the characteristics of the devil's voice? Uh, Revelation 12, 10. Um, this is in the, the Passion Translation. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. Can we just pause for a moment? That's his ultimate destiny, right? Is that he is going to be defeated, cast out once and for all, right? But, but what we see in this verse of scripture, he is the relentless, nonstop accuser. So how do we know if it's the devil's voice? God will convict, the devil will accuse, right? When, when we're looking at somebody else, right, uh, the, the, the uh, voice of the devil or the flesh will be to judge, like I said, to blame, you, you know, to accuse them. When we find ourselves in an accusing mode, we want to remember what, what is God, the, the God kind of love. What's the definition of there? Keeps no record of wrongs, thinks the best, hopes the best, right? That's, that's the God kind of love that will never fail. So the voice of the enemy is going to promote sin. It's going to promote selfishness. It's going to promote rebellion. 
Uh, Second thing, super, super obvious, it's going to contradict the word of God. John 8, 44 says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Jesus was, was talking very nice to the religious leaders, as we see. He says that the devil was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he'll tell Christians, you're a rotten sinner. God hasn't forgiven you. You're on your way to hell. It's not working for you. He'll say all those things to Christians, and he'll tell sinners, don't worry about eternity. You're a good person. You're better than the guy down the road. You don't have to sweat it, right? He speaks his native language, it says in, in, in one translation, when he lies, right? So we need, we need to recognize he's going to speak against the word of God, which is why it's so important that we go back and we understand the word, we understand it in its context. Um, uh, another thing about the voice of the enemy, uh, it, it, it will tempt and it will distract us from our walk with God. So sometimes when the enemy realizes he can't get in other ways, he'll try to get in through distraction. You know, um, you know, we're starting to read our Bible and we remember, I forgot to send an email. I forgot to pay a bill. There's a project that I was supposed to work on, right? Isn't it amazing? As soon as we sit down to get into the word of God, how, you know, things that we, we couldn't will ourselves to re- remember, you know, uh, all of a sudden start becoming distractions for us. You know, don't pray now. Wait until you have more time. Uh, you can't witness. You blew it last week. You blew your testimony. You, you couldn't possibly go and witness for the Lord now, right? D- distractions, excuses, things that he'll put in our way. Um, and then the voice of the enemy, it's critical. It's condemned. It's negative, it's hopeless, it's defeating. God forgive us to where we have listened to the enemy when he has brought negative, hopelessness, defeat, and we've entertained it. We've listened to it, we've bought into it. Come on, can you say amen? Lord, forgive us. He, the Lord is hope. The Lord is, there is always hope. The Lord is, he is our answer. He is our breakthrough. He is our victory. He has got it, right? And the enemy doesn't want us to see it from that perspective. First Peter 2, uh, verses 9 and 10. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. That's who God says we are. Amen? So, so pretty, pretty straightforward, you know. We just need to recognize that sometimes, you know, when the enemy can't come in with, with bullying and flat-out temptation and, you, you know, that kind of stuff, he'll, he'll be a little more subtle, you know. And he'll, he'll try to come in like a gentleman. You know, so we need to recognize it for what it is. And again, we'll know it when it's contradicting the word of God and when it brings us back to looking at self. All right, so we got those two out of the way. Now let's spend the rest of our time here talking about the characteristics of God's voice. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Amen. It's peace-loving. Gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy 
and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And we could just park on that for a while, couldn't we? Right, just looking at that there. You know, the, the Bible talks about a wisdom that is carnal, earthly, and demonic. Right? You know, so the first thing here, you know, how do we discern where, where is this wisdom? Well, if, if what we're thinking on, planning on doing, if it's got a hint of impure, immoral, if it has a hint of something that we have to try to justify, we know that's not come from the Father. Amen? Right? Because the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure and peace-loving. And on and on it goes. In, in the Amplified, it says, But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure, that is, undefiled. Then it is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle. Gee, that sounds like everything I've seen on Facebook for the last couple of years. Sorry, I was being sarcastic. I preached against that on Sunday. Respond to my own altar call. It's willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering, and insincerity. That's the kind of wisdom that God offers to us and that he wants us to walk in. So let's look at a couple of things here then for God's voice, God's leading. Uh, is, it, is it me? Is it the devil? Is it the Lord? Well, it's pure and it's peaceful. We just saw that. So, so that's one characteristic of God's voice. It'll lead us away from sin. It'll lead us away from temptation. Right? Last week we talked about being led by the peace factor, the peace of God, you know, that being a part of being led by the Spirit. Uh, Psalm 85, 8, I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. I love that. He speaks peace. Listening to the voice of God, the voice of God will speak peace to us. It's pure and it's peaceful. Second uh, characteristic of God's voice Versus the other two. It's loving and gentle and comforting, even when correcting us. There have been times where the Lord is giving me a smackdown in the most loving, gentle, merciful way. Has any, anybody else know what I'm talking about there? Right? You just feel his love, but you're going, he means business. It's gentle, but yet I'm on my face. Right? Because it's God. Matthew 5, 4 says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So it's loving, it's gentle, and it's comforting. And again, remember, the Lord wants to convict and restore and redeem and get us back on track with him. The enemy wants to condemn, wants us to feel shame, and wants us to ultimately be trapped up in, in whatever it is, you know, that, that we're facing or dealing with. So notice there's a mourn, it's, it's a brokenness, it's a repentance, it's a humility, it's a reverence for what God says, right? But there is a comfort that always comes along with. Isaiah 51, 12, I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? I love that. 
We don't have to worry about what other people are saying. We don't have to worry about what other people are doing. You know, all this mess and stuff that's going on in our culture, all this different stuff. We don't have to worry and be afraid of mere humans. The Lord is the one who comforts. He will comfort us. And uh, again, just, just to really accent the point, even when Holy Spirit is correcting us, it's loving and it's gentle. By the way, do, do you notice that in the New Testament, we as believers, as we, we are to be truth speakers, truth tellers to each other. The wounds of a friend can be trusted, it says in the word. Sometimes speaking the truth hurts. You know, pull something out of the blind spot. Or maybe we're doing some of the stuff uh, that we talked about earlier. I'm listening to my voice, not listening to God's voice. Somebody's loving me enough to speak the truth. The wounds of a friend can be trusted. But notice the, the tone in the context that we're commanded in all of the letters written to the churches, is we're, we're to snatch people from the flames. We're to go and redeem a brother, you know, a brother or a sister, whatever the case may be. It's always mercy and gentleness. Amen. Come on, can you say amen? It's always with a merciful, gentle spirit that we're called to do it. Balancing statement, that's in no way that we're to condone sin. That's no, in no way we're to, to wink at sin. But you know how many times when, when a sinner was meeting the Lord, he was so full of mercy. And who was it that Jesus was the toughest on? It was the, yeah, the religious folks that knew better, ought to have done better, and they were playing the game. And so his voice gets a little louder in those times. But even in those times, his desire is for us to repent and, and to be restored. It's always conviction so that we can be restored. Now, with this, uh, let, let, let's point this out too, that his, his voice will be firm, but not demanding. In other words, the Lord is never going to make us respond to him. Amen. I have to remember that in, in raising my kids. He didn't make me, you, you know, uh, as far as my relationship with him, he didn't make me do anything that was uh, fostering my relationship. I could guide my kids. I could encourage them. I could instruct them. You know, but at the end of the day, I, I remember early on just thinking, they're going to have to figure this out on their own, how, how to have it be their own walk. If, if, I, if, if God's not forcing me, how can I try to force anybody else? Can you say amen? So we can compel, but not manipulate or bully. And it's amazing how as, as God's almightiness is mind-blowing, and yet he will not force a person to reject hell. He will not force a person to reject destruction. Right? He'll let every person make the decision on their own. Um, so it's firm, but not not uh, demanding. And that's the beauty of God, uh, of the gift that God has given us in free will. And it also means that we serve him out of a heart of purposeful extravagance. Lord, I'm coming to you because I am choosing to come to you, right? That, that, that's the, the wonder of free will. Hebrews 13, 5, for God has said, I will never fail you and I will never abandon you. So he's always there, but it's going to be left in our hands on how we respond to it. All right, the voice of the Lord, it's also forgiving, caring, and merciful. 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
right? Faithful and just. So he removes our sins from us. It says in the word, as far as the east is from the west. And not only does he forgive, but he forgets. Come on, how many times have we heard somebody say, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. You know, maybe we've even said that, right? Thank God, God doesn't say that. He chooses to forget our sins, right? Uh, and, and also God's voice, it's positive, it's hopeful, and it's encouraging. We, we're flat on our face. He says, you can do it. You get back up. I'm here with you. You know, we say, I blew it. I missed it, Lord. He said, well, I'm here to forgive you and get you right back on the right path cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then as we walk together, I'm not going to keep throwing it back in your face because I've thrown it in the sea of forgetfulness. So he's cheering us on. Come on, can you say amen? amen? There's been times where I've said, I don't know if I can do this. And I've heard the voice of the Lord. You can do it. I'm with you. I'm with you. You can do it. And it's, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right? That's his voice. That voice that says, that's right. You can't do it. That's the enemy. And we kick that voice out. Right? Amen. Uh, and it promotes the word of God in all of its attributes, the, the voice of God. It's always going to agree with scripture. That's why we always have to make that the, the starting place. You know, so as we're discerning different things, man, if it contradicts the word of God, uh, man, we just, we got to kick it out. And again, in our modern culture, God have mercy. There's all kinds of screwy doctrines and, and goofy things that have gotten into the church because people are saying, well, the Bible may say that, but right? The enemy, back to the garden. Did God really say, you know, all these different things? That's why I, I have one of my personal um, study tracks that I'm doing is to look from every angle that I can look on just how trustworthy the Word of God is. And it's going to become one of the more important uh, truths, doctrines, uh, points for the body of Christ in the day and age that we're living in and moving forward is to stand against what's become a prominent lie of the enemy. Are you hearing me? He's trying to erode the trust in the word of God. It is the foundation. It it is everything. And, And he's working hard against it. But you know what? The truth is the truth. And the truth is going to prevail. And as long as we know the truth, you know, but uh, I've been getting into studying, you know, the background of how the word of God came together. I've been studying some of the stuff that's apologetics in the background of some of these things so that people who have been taken captive by the enemy because of a misunderstanding uh, can have those misunderstandings taken out of the way so God's word can fall on soil, the soil of their heart, and be good ground. Can you say amen? So the voice of the Lord is never going to contradict the word of God. And then another thing, it's reoccurring and it's consistent. You know, uh, God God is consistent. He is faithful, right? Uh, Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord and I do not change. Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Man, I tell you what. You can't get to the bottom of the depths of exploring the wonder of who God is. But on the flip side, he makes it. He makes handles for us to grab onto as we walk through life. I'm not going to change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What bothered me in Genesis bothers me in 2022. 
What blessed my heart in Exodus blesses my heart in 2023. I, I am the Lord your God. I change not. The covenant has changed. There's been a fulfillment of the covenant. But what God loves, what God hates, what, what blesses his heart and what grieves his heart, those things have not changed. They're not going to change. And boy, I tell you, I, I heard one mentor put it this way. He puts the cookies on the bottom shelf for us. We can all grab a hold of that. Navigating life, walking in his truth is something that, that uh, we don't need to have a master's degree in biblical languages to be able to walk through this life. And, and I'm so glad. You know, for me, you know, I, I like, let's keep it simple. You know, uh, so that we, you know, again, we've got these handles to grab onto. So, um, you, you know, uh, if it's me, it's going to fade. I'm talking about consistency. If we're looking at, hey, is this God's voice? You know, is this something that God wants me to do? I, I, I had mentioned this previously. Let me say again, I believe God would rather have us walk a little slower than him and confirm and be sure it's him where he's still out in front of us than us, us just barrel ahead of him and now he's behind us and we can't see him. Right? So to that end, if we're looking and saying, well, you know, is this God? Well, you know, uh, we could put it on the shelf a little bit. And if we can't get away from the idea or the notion, then there's a good chance that, yeah, that was the voice of the Lord. That wasn't a well-intended us or anything like that. You know, if, it, if it's here one day and gone two weeks later, all right, well, good. We waited on the Lord. It kind of fizzled down. We know it's not from him. We can move on. So that, that's just like a very practical thought here on, um, you, you know, gosh, it would be cool to move to such and such place. And then three days later, the house is sold, right? But instead saying, huh, that would be cool. Is that God? Is that me? Let me just wait on that a little bit and see if I get over it. You know, if I don't get over it, you know, because there is another aspect. There is God, and then there's God's timing that needs to be in the picture as well. And again, the good news is if we're seeking him, if there's anybody who's saying, you know, Jim, you're stressing me out. I don't want to miss him now. We're talking about all this stuff about hearing God. Hey, hear me. Again, let's keep it real simple. We press in after him. We desire to know his voice. He delights in us knowing his voice. He delights in leading his children, right? These things we're talking about here today are just to get some of the things out of the way that would try to, to muddy hearing his voice. All right, so, so now with just a, a few minutes left here, other aspects of Holy Spirit's voice. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, and let's, we'll look at verse 20 and verse 27. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. Church, every one of you in the room, every person watching online, that is God's truth for you. Did, did you hear what was said there? You have an anointing. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I love this in the Amplified. Uh, you've been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. You know, so for the person who would say, man, there's dangerous stuff out there. You know, there, there are times, and it's happening less and less now because I, I, I think now I'm understanding the guardrails God has given us to stay on his path. But let me, let me just, let, let's talk about this for a second. Have you seen 
where a prominent worship leader or a prominent pastor all of a sudden walks away from their faith, walks away from God, grabs onto some really bizarre doctrine. And it used to be I saw that and that would shake me more than, than it should have shaken me. Because what really what was shaking me was, oh my goodness, if that happened to him, how do I know I'm not going to get off track? But you want to know what? Listen, church, I don't care how awesome the gift is that's flowing through the person. There is no person that is exempt from these simple principles of walking with the Lord and letting him lead us daily. And if we do that and we live that way, we're not going to fall. We're not going to get into error. This is so beautiful. There is an anointing. He especially prepared us. And Holy Spirit teaches us. He illuminates our minds and he guards us from error. So we can rest assured that we are anchored in him. So literally what I'm talking about here today is so, so how do we get off track is when it, it takes a lot of intentionality to roll that chain up and pull up that anchor, right? We're anchored in him. It takes a lot of effort to unanchor. Or let's just put it this way, a whole lot of neglect will allow us to pull up the anchor. So if we don't neglect him, we don't neglect to walk with him, we don't neglect assembling together as believers, these are all things that, that will be a part of what God will use that we stay in tune with his voice. Can you say amen? So it says in verse 27, as for you, the anointing, that is the special gift, the preparation which you receive from him remains permanently in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him, being rooted in him, knit to him. So again, all that speaking of, hey, we are led by him as we walk with him. So uh, th this word uh, anointing in the King James Version, it says you have an unction from the Holy One. Right? That anointing, that's an unction from Holy Spirit. So this is going to be cheesy, but let's function by the unction. Amen? I almost heard like a record scratching behind me when I just said that. Let's function by the unction. Thank God he's in there. If we're born again, if we've made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of our lives, he's in there. And so we get these other voices out of the way. We start sharpening and discerning, you know. Uh, so we want to listen to the inward intuition as we're talking about the unction here. That's the inward witness and inward leading and knowing. Uh, the, the word intuition, the act or faculty of knowing or sensing without the, youth, uh, without the use of rational process. Without the use of, of, of rational mind. Man, just in my gut, I know the Lord said this. I know the Lord is showing me this. Just in my gut, you, you know, we'll word it the unction this way sometimes. I have a, this is Christianese. I have a check in my spirit. Try saying that to somebody who's not Christian. And they look at you cross-eyed. You have a who in your what? Right? But we know that there's an unction. And Holy Spirit is throwing up a, a stoplight on, on whatever the decision is. Right? 
Knowledge gained by the use of this faculty, it, 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 it's, it's a perceptive insight from God's spirit. A sensing of something not evident, um, it's, it's an impression. These are all different ways that, that we can just, you know, d- describe this. Hey, have you ever said, and I just really felt impressed to give you a call or so-and-so a call? And you find out, man, they were really in need. I've heard um, stories of missionaries uh, and intercessors. There's one story I can remember in particular of an intercessor who had an unction to get up and pray for a particular missionary overseas. And making a long story short, when the intercessor checked in with the missionary, they said, hey, on such and such a day, I got such an unction. And as I began to pray for you, there was a burden for you that came on me. And I was praying out in the spirit, and I was wailing, and I was crying out. And I prayed that until that broke through, until this burden turned into a release and joy. And and to have the missionary come back and tell them literally their life was in peril. That people were coming to harm this person. Right? I've heard of other times of intercessors praying and finding out that that, that, um, people coming to attack the missionary saw angels around the person's, uh, you you know, abode where they were sleeping. Right? We want to function by the unction. When God's spirit leads us, you know, I have an impression. I need to pray for this person. I need, you know, let's obey those unctions. Romans 8.16 says, God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are father and children. So that's that picture of his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his kids. As we listen for his voice, that unction is going to be there. So again, not so much words in this moment, although sometimes God will speak, you know, words. I I shared this years ago when I was first serving in youth ministry as a youth leader back at my church in North Jersey. uh, I, 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 I had been playing drums. I'm pretty rusty now. It's been years since I've played, but since first grade. And so I was playing percussion um, in our youth worship team, you know, bongos, congas, uh, just, just diff- different things, you know, making a joyful noise. And there was a, a youth conference that was happening that night, and the, um, the congas were, were misplaced. And I was pretty upset about it because I was like, oh man, like I, I is, you know, an opportunity to minister and minister in something that's been in my life. And, and um, you, you know, I, I began to get this unction that you'll find them. You know, and I began to, to get this, you know, this unction in these words, go to the back corner of the church. It was an area that I literally hadn't been in. And there was a stairwell that I had never used before. And there was a closet under that stairwell. And for some reason, the congas were underneath that stairwell. And like the Lord literally, literally by unction of the Holy Spirit led me to find those. And as it turned out, there was a guy who um, was doing something to the them and he put them there thinking he would eventually put them back and he forgot, but God knew, you know, and you know, so, so this idea of, you know, function by the unction. So it'll be an inner peace or a fire alarm, a gentle nudge or a signal to stop. Uh, Acts 27 verse 10, um, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. This is Paul, you know, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. You know, he's being taken as prisoner on this ship and he's got an unction that we shouldn't, we shouldn't set sail. But they, again, Paul said, I have a check in my spirit. And they said, you have a who and your what? We're setting sail. 
you know, and as it turns out, there was problems and the, the, the ship wrecked, you know, uh, but God in his mercy preserved everybody's lives. But um, so this inward voice, this inward unction, we want to listen, we want to discern, we want to pay attention for it. Um, as, as we get ready to close, um, on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up with the 11, raising his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Uh, it says in Acts 2.37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? There'll be times where we speak with the unction, with the anointing of God's Holy Spirit, and, it, and, and it'll touch someone's heart right? There'll be times where we get direction. Acts 13, 2. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So sometimes there's an unction. Sometimes it's him speaking peace. You know, sometimes it's the uh, alarm versus peace. Sometimes it's his voice. Sometimes it's our conscience. All these different ways where, where we hear the voice of God. Can you say amen? So you feel like just taking some time to go through this exercise of looking at each voice, you know, you know, and sometimes, you know, smaller decisions, you know, should I, should I have peanut butter or should I have, you know, you're standing in the fridge. Maybe it's not the end of the world on whether it's God's voice or our, our, our voice, you know, um, but as we look at navigating these times and as we look at being the church that God has called us to be. I tell you what, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the church that has the form and denies the power. We as a church are called to equip so the body can step out in their gifts so that God is glorified, the church is edified, and his enemies are terrified. Amen. That will happen as we push aside our voice, my voice, the me voice, and let God do the promotion his way. Because let's just time out for a second. When, so there's an unction in every person. There's an anointing specially crafted by God in every person in this room. And he wants his kingdom to advance through us. And so as he does that, he's going to take us to character school. Amen. And so in character school, when we make it about me, go back to the end of the line, cycle back, try again, right? He's going to bring us through. Sometimes it'll be patience. Sometimes it'll be long-suffering. Sometimes it'll be, Lord, why did the leader not see that I was the person that should have done this? Ah, oh, wait a minute. We've got our eyes. We're, we're in me voice. We're not in God voice who is saying, I'm breaking up the ground so that you don't depend on what man does and you continue to do what I've asked you to do. Come on, can you say amen? So there, there, there will be pop quizzes that God gives along the way uh, that, you, you know, sometimes it'll be... I, I, I'm just trying to think of, there, there's so many different ways. Sometimes it'll be, uh, wow, you, you know, this particular person, why did they not see this in me or do, handle this that way? It's because we got our eyes in the wrong place and the Lord is doing character work. 
Amen? You know, so, so in all of this, but, but here's the good news. If we listen for his voice, he'll show us. You know, do you remember last week when I was sharing about the time where I was, I was saying, Lord, I'm not being noticed I don't know if you were here last week, I was talking about being on a missions trip, you know, and not, not being appreciated and noticed. And, and the Lord immediately spoke to me and said, that's right. I'm doing this. Get your eyes. I was in me voice, you know, and the Lord was showing me, you, you're, you're looking in the wrong place. And if you want to build your ministry on that, it's going to come crashing down. Because that can't withstand the enemy and all the stuff that's out there. We have to be built on him. We have to be built on his voice. Amen? So good news, his word is going to show us. And that's why we go back to our starting point is not only just having the word ingested, but what's the idea? How does it apply to my life? And, and, and how do I walk it out? What do I need to do? Amen? Final thing, and we're going to close in just a minute here, a couple minutes early. Um, a very, very useful exercise to grow our discerning of the voice of the Lord, uh, and I mentioned this last week, is to journal on it. And again, it could just be journaling as an exercise, bullet points. You know, I'm thinking about this decision, catching times where we missed God's voice, catching times where we didn't recognize that it was us instead of him and journaling those things out, working it out. And a lot of times God will be working with us in that journaling process. And, and it just becomes, uh, again, whether you're a, a journal person or not a journaling person, um, whether you're a writer or a non-writer, it's more about the exercise of working through what did God do? When did I recognize him? And, and he'll show us more. It, it's, another, it's another opportunity to sharpen our discernment. Amen? Amen. Hey, can we say on the inside that we're lovers of truth? In our hearts, Lord, I want to be a lover of truth. Man, because our, our, the generation that we're in now says truth is what, whatever you create it to be. Sobering times. So let's close. So Father, as, as oh Lord, as we, as we wrap up here today, Holy Spirit, just take us. Lord, even as Cynthia the end of worship. We love you. We love you so much, Lord. And we do want to be led by you. Thank you, Lord, that you told us that your sheep hear your voice. And so, Lord, as we've been looking at this topic these last four different times, God, we pray that unction, that anointing that you've placed on the inside of us. Well, Lord, just in this room now, we, we make our seat an altar and we put ourselves on the altar here. And God, we ask that you would purify. Lord, make us lovers of truth. Lord, we're asking every one of us that you would do a work 
in our hearts, in our minds, in our perspectives, in our sense of worldview. Lord, take anything that's crooked, take anything that's bent, take anything that's confused. Lord, take anything that is in deception. And remove it from our lives. Lord, just to make sure we have the bases covered, Lord, we say we repent for every place or way we have entertained what is not truth. Purify us, Lord. Cleanse us. Anoint our ears afresh tonight and soften our hearts. We renounce confusion in the name of Jesus. We renounce deception in the name of Jesus. And Lord, each of us in this place, just the simplicity of walking with you. Help us to live in a way where it is day by day, seeking your face, feeding on your word, learning to discern the voice of your spirit. So Lord, as we talked about the voice of self today, sharpen, sharpen our discernment so that we recognize when it's self. And Lord, sharpen our discernment to recognize the voice of the enemy, the lies of the enemy. But Lord, we don't want to focus on that stuff. We would just want to recognize it so we can kick it out. Lord, sharpen us to know your voice in all the marvelous ways that you speak as you speak through your peace, as you speak through your word, as you speak in unction as you are the still, small voice, as you work in our conscience. Any place where we have allowed justification of stuff that's out of line with you, forgive us and we renounce that. And so, Father, we pray for our church family. Lord, may we, as we, as our world gets darker, May we more and more and more and more be a church that so holds on to, presses into, celebrates truth. And Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, across our church family, we pray for our brothers and sisters. Wherever anybody is, is backslid, wherever anybody has bought into the lies of the enemy, where the voice of self has uh, hijacked and derailed anybody's walk with you, God, we pray now, Lord, we pray that you'd bring them back home. We pray, Lord, that you would intervene. Lord, you told us in your word, the prodigal, that there was a time where he came to himself. He woke up. He got it. We pray that you would intervene now, Lord. We stand in the gap, Lord, for, for every family, for every member, for every person who calls grace and peace home. Lord, we stand in the gap and we pray let truth reign. We arrest vain imaginations, false philosophies, and, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. 
in the lives of, of your people, of our church family, in the name of Jesus. God, we just give you such praise and honor for it. Lord, we thank you. God, I thank you that you're moving here tonight. Thank you that we, we are not like the world. <laughs> thank you that we're different from the world. Thank you that we're delivered from the world. Thank you that, that you've called us to be rooted and grounded in you. Glory to you, God. So Holy Spirit, we just yield. And we just acknowledge we need you so much. And so, Lord, as we would leave this place today, help us in all of our coming and going, our habits, our lifestyle. Holy Spirit, teach us, show us what needs to stay, what needs to go, and what needs to come on in. Lord, we just give you praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.